Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you see what's going on in Ukraine, no. No, I think it's time to make a change. You know, it's, uh, we, we, we need to mature ourselves, I think, and, and, and come along, you know? I disagree totally. See? Absolutely, keep our neutrality. Absolutely. Yeah. The Irish Defence Forces are shrinking. They're losing servicemen and women at such a high rate, they can't replace them with enough new recruits. Refresh! Refresh! Let's go! Yeah. Come on, let's go! Let's go! Refresh! Come on! The Republic of Ireland's military budget is tiny, the smallest percentage of GDP in the EU. Ireland can't detect hostile aircraft in its airspace, and even if it could, it couldn't do anything about it. That job has been given by a secret understanding to the UK's RAF. Uh, we do have to put in arrangements for certain scenarios, and we have arrangements for certain scenarios uh, to assure our safety and national security. It's such a dependency on a foreign government to monitor and protect our skies against hostile aircraft, I have to say, is a scandalous expo- exposure of the failure of successive governments. But for many, that's not a problem, as they believe that neutrality is the best defence and that practically Ireland could never really defend itself against any of the great powers. How is a country the size of Ireland ever going to have a sufficient military by itself to defend itself from attack by US, by Britain, by Russia, by China? It's, it's not possible. There's no way that we can compete. In part two of a three-part series, Paul Murphy, People Before Profit TD for Dublin Southwest, joins me to make the case for neutrality and what that means for Ireland's defence forces. What I'm going to ask you first, I'm going to start not with the Defence Forces, but with the question of neutrality. Because (laughs) Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, classes itself as a neutral country, but there are questions about what that means. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, as Micheál Martin said, Ireland isn't politically neutral, it's militarily neutral. But what does neutrality mean for you and people before profit? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that it is a very contested term because I think from the point of view of the political establishment, they're kind of lumbered with it because there's broad public public support for the idea of neutrality. But then they try to smuggle all sorts of things that in reality are a breach of neutrality into their concept of what neutrality is. Um, for us, it's, it's very simple. It's the idea that Ireland should not be aligned militarily or politically with the major military blocs which dominate this world. On the one hand, China and Russia as a somewhat secondary power in in that alliance. And on the other hand, uh, US 
uh, and its NATO allies. And that instead, uh, Ireland should be a consistent voice against all imperialisms, against all oppression, speak out against oppression wherever it's happening, as opposed to just saying, well, if it's happening on the other side, we're going to speak out about it because it suits our side, but we're not going to speak out when stuff happens on on our cult. Uh, our, our so-called side. So so the idea that we should be non-aligned um, to any of those military uh, and political blocs. I suppose you do get the question then that sometime, uh, and I suppose I sp- I'm speaking in crude majorities here, that, so, that there are many occasions where the majority of the Irish people may see, okay, they may see a situation. Um, I mean, our, our, the majority of the Irish people may may feel that uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is wrong. The majority mm-hmm. of the Irish people, uh, Ireland has a reputation of most people seem to favour the the Palestinian cause, if I want to put it like mm-hmm. that, or at least are mm-hmm. highly sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. And the, I mean, obviously, and the world is full of, of, of problems. You know, I, what I'm trying to say is, you know, how does one be neutral on that. I mean, no one's saying that Ireland should be neutral. I'm sure you're not saying that Ireland should be neutral between uh, Israel and Palestine. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or between Russia and Ukraine. Um, we, we think that it, it, it's absolutely consistent with neutrality that you do speak out against invasions and the invasion of Iraq, the invasion of Afghanistan, the invasion of Ukraine, the oppression of the Palestinian people the attacks on the Yemeni people by the US-funded um, Saudi regime. Um, we, we think we can be consistently speaking out about all of these things and have a clear political stance. But that is somewhat different than seeing ourselves, as clearly Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar do, as in the political bloc led by US imperialism of of NATO, of which kind of NATO is the, the military arm. And it also is different than saying we're going to militarily involve ourselves in any of these conflicts. Um, partly because also, just practically, what is the best assistance that people in Ireland can give to the people of, of Ukraine? Is it really our very small defence forces and the undermining neutrality that goes with that? Or is it not much better that we become a voice for peace on the world stage, that we call that we shut down the shadow banking system in, in Ireland that is used by the Russian and other oligarchs, and that we've become a, a loud voice for a debt cancellation for the people of, of Ukraine. There are things that would have much more of an impact as opposed to pretending we're going to have a big military impact on the world, which clearly we're not. Can I stress, uh, can I, well, can I ask you to just to, to delve into a bit, because obviously we're speaking from the north. Uh, Belfast is is in the United Kingdom, as currently stands, and that means uh, it, it's, it's not in the European Union. Uh, but it is in it, it. It finds itself in NATO, so let's be very clear. You do not see NATO as a defensive alliance for the Western, for Western Europe and the United States of America. You see it as an imperialist, offensive organization. Yes, definitely, and th- and that's where I suppose we we depart from much of the mainstream narrative in the West, which sees that there's bad guys in the form of Russia and China and good guys in the form of the US and uh, NATO. We, we think, to be honest, there's bad guys all around. Um, we, we don't prettify uh, the regimes in China or in Russia. They're quite uh, horrific, um, authoritarian, dictatorial, uh, and so on. Um, but the reality of the policies that are pursued by US imperialism and NATO are, are no better across the world. 
I mean, it, it wasn't NATO as NATO that invaded uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, but it was NATO countries. Um, a majority of the dictatorships in the world receive military support from uh, the US. That's stuff that like isn't spoken about a lot in the in the West because it obviously doesn't suit the interests of those who are in charge of of the UK, for example. But but those things are are facts. And um, so yes, we definitely do not accept that it is in any way some sort of defensive alliance or an alliance in defense of of democracy. It's an aggressive uh, alliance. And even if you look at the situation with Ukraine, for which responsibility lies with Putin and Russia for invading Ukraine, but there, there it is true. That there is a prehistory to this. This didn't start in February of 2022. NATO has expanded 800 kilometers eastwards since the collapse of the Berlin Wall. You've had uh, repeated major military exercises on the borders of uh, Russia, the placing of missiles on the borders of of Russia. Um, Again, that's not to justify Putin's actions, but it's just to explain that, that NATO aren't the good guys here either. Having said that, I'm in, I, I'm in Belfast, you're in Dublin. It, it is easy to see perhaps why Estonia would perhaps have a very different opinion on NATO than, mm-hmm. than, than people in Ireland. I accept that. I, I do accept that. I mean, I, I don't fundamentally agree with it. If I was in Estonia, I would also be arguing for a position of, of neutrality. But people can be faced with a situation of kind of realpolitik that... The world is divided into largely two camps. I mean, there's a whole bunch of countries in the global south that don't accept that definition and aren't part of other camps. But certainly in in the North America and Europe, um, that's that's quite dominant. Um, and you're situated next to uh, Russia, which obviously has a very authoritarian, very aggressive uh, regime. And you may think that the only defence here is to is to join NATO. Uh, and and I think that's uh, fundamentally wrong. And of course, uh, there are. I mean, there are. Serious people in the Russian government who believe that Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia are their Baltic provinces. So I yep. mean, that, I mean, that's I mean, we're we, we're talking realpolitik. It's it's difficult. It really is difficult for me looking at that to say, well, ooh, uh, you know, would Estonia exist without NATO? Perhaps it would. But but that brings us to the question of neutrality. Do you do you, uh, and the practicality of neutrality? Would you like to see neutrality strengthened in Ireland? And how and how do you see that in practical terms? Yes. I mean, there's a huge drive to militarization around the world. And the world is becoming a very, very dangerous place. There's many parallels now with the world as it was pre-World War One, where this world is carved up. There's increasing regional tensions and the potential for those regional tensions or conflicts to spill out into global conflict. Um that's very dangerous. It's very dangerous in a world with nuclear weapons. It's very dangerous in a world of, you know, galloping towards climate catastrophe. And yet we're wasting tons of carbon on massively increased military expenditure, right? So all across Europe, you have a drive to militarization, huge increases in military spending. The increases announced in EU in the course of 2022 are more than the total military spending across the entire of 2020. Um, part of that is... Sweden and Finland applying to join NATO and the same basic process is underway in Ireland where the establishment is trying to use the invasion of Ukraine to get rid of what is left of neutrality and um, in all sorts of ways they're breaching what is what is left I mean they already breached it in reality over three million US troops went through um, Shannon Airport on the way to uh, the Middle uh, East um, but they want rid of it in its entirety and and therefore we think the, the only real protection we could have 
uh, for neutrality is by putting it in the constitution. There's broad public support for neutrality. And that's a consistent problem the politicians have had. It's why like they were talking about having a citizens assembly about neutrality, where you'd have a random selection of citizens to discuss it. And they ditched that plan. Uh, they said it's now based on the principles of the citizens assembly, but the key principle of, i.e. of random citizens has been forgotten very, very uh, deliberately, you know, effectively to dissolve the people. And now it's this like very obviously a ready up chaired by uh, a woman who's a dame of the British Empire, who's openly a supporter of US militarism. So we think there needs to be a referendum to enshrine neutrality in the constitution to mean that it can't just be ditched by politicians against the will of the majority of people. I suppose that's a very principled stand. I spoke to, I, I, I spoke to Cahill Berry on this subject and, and, and who, who unsurprised, he's an independent uh, uh, TD. He's a former member of the Defence Forces. And I mean, he's, he's very passionate about the Defence Forces. And I mean, he, his attitude was he wasn't for NATO and he wasn't for neutrality. He was for what he described as normality. And that is to say, whatever's practical, uh, you, you know, for the Irish people at the time. And I just wonder, I just wonder when you're saying uh, neutrality into the constitution. I mean, what does that mean then further on? Does neutrality mean having no military capacity or whatsoever? Because countries, I mean, Finland has obviously decided to go one way now and join NATO. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until that, I mean, until that point, Finland treated neutrality and so did Sweden as having massive military uh, structures, as mm-hmm. does Switzerland, as does uh, uh, Austria. But I, so, you know, if you're mm-hmm. going to stand by yourself, does that not mean you need a massive military? Firstly, we're, we're not pacifists, um, absolutely. Uh, people have the right, and I'd say sometimes the duty, to take up arms against invasion, against oppression, um, against imperialism. Um, so in, in certainly in theory... One could be a militarist, and Cahill Berry is definitely a militarist. He's in favour of spending a lot of money on buying a lot of fancy uh, military equipment from major armaments uh, corporations and still be in favour of neutrality. In theory, that's that's true. In practice, I think that that is part of an agenda of getting Ireland's level of military expenditure up to the kind of levels required of NATO membership, i.e. 2% of GDP. We're currently about 0.2% of uh, GDP. Um, because all Irish military stuff is done with a view to so-called interoperability with uh, NATO. Um, to be co- concrete, I mean, it, we, we put forward a, a bill to enshrine neutrality in the constitution through a referendum. The, the government voted it down because they don't feel confident about the outcome of such referendum. Um, and, and what it does is a number of different things. One, it says that war shall not be declared and the state shall not participate in war or armed conflict or aid foreign powers, i.e. Shannon Airport, etc., save where it's necessary in the defense of the uh, state. Um, it says we shouldn't be part of any military alliances and shouldn't allow its ter- our territory to be used by other sp- tra- states to transport war material or personnel. Um, I, I, I think, like, fundamentally, the question of, like, should we spend a whole bunch of money buying fighter jets, buying battleships, at a cost, these are not cheap things, right? You know, a fighter jet is the guts of a hundred million dollars. Uh, Battleships are multiple hundreds of millions of of euros. Um, Does it make sense to spend that money on that um, during a climate emergency uh, and while we have a massive housing crisis in this country? You know, it's a choice between a fighter jet and 
um, 500 homes. And I think it's much, much better to build 500 homes. The, the other argument, of course, is, Paul, is that Ireland currently has four ships, uh, small ships, and they're certainly not battleships. They are small patrol vessels. They have no sonar capacity. So the pipelines, the, the communications which go under Irish seas, I mean, Ireland has no idea. Ireland obviously doesn't have fighter planes, um, but has no capacity, has literally no literally no aircraft, military aircraft in practical terms. Now, we spoke about Cahill Berry and uh, I mean, he budgeted, he said, no, Ireland does not need fighter aircraft. Ireland needs uh, light trainer aircraft with some sort of security capacity, with, with some sort of power to intercept and small ships with some sort of capacity to escort and monitor Irish seas. So in fairness to Cahill, he certainly wasn't talking about, you know, capital warships and, and large numbers of, um, of of fighter planes. So, I mean, that's, the, I mean, we, 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 we all know this. I don't think it's that, that Ireland has no capacity to defend itself by land, sea or air at the moment. I mean, is that, is that, how can that be acceptable? But how is a country the size of Ireland ever going to have a sufficient military by itself to defend itself from attack by the US, by Britain, by Russia, by China. It's it's not possible. And and that's it, it's a it's a it's an escalator that just keeps going up. I mean the US spends 800 billion euros a year on its uh, military. China spends something like 600 uh, uh, billion euros a year. Russia is heading towards something like 70 billion. Britain is about 60 billion. And um, Ireland spends about a billion. Like and there's no way that an economy the size of Ireland, despite all the tax revenue coming with being a corporate tax haven and so on, there's no way that we can compete. Um, you know, we, we could buy a squadron of 12 aircraft for, what, around uh, uh, 100 million each, what, around, around, a, around a billion euros. But should it, if we actually got seriously attacked, that's no defence at all. They, they, you look at what happened to Ukraine's air forces, wiped out just like that. Whereas that would go a real distance to addressing the housing crisis. So, I mean, I, I'm not against buying this or that or whatever. Like, they're ultimately quite practical uh, questions. Um, but the main thing I think we should be spending more money on in the Defence Forces is ensuring that the men and women in the Defence Forces aren't living in poverty, as currently many of them uh, are. And we should be resisting this drive to militarization, to buy a bunch of military equipment, the kind of thing which has seen all these... You know, dealers of death and destruction, their share prices have gone through the roof over the past year and a half at, at this stage. We should not be participating in that in, in that logic. But I think like those who advocated who say, oh, we just let's double our spending. They know when we double our spending, we still won't be able to defend ourselves from any attack because what they actually want to say is, well, the only real way you can defend yourself from attack is if you join one of these clubs. And of course, they want us to join the club of NATO. And we reject that we should join one gang of bullies against another gang of bullies to protect ourselves. And instead, we should say, we're neutral. We disagree with these. We should be part of an alliance of non-aligned nations uh, across the world. And that that's actually the best protection that we could have. It does sound like, I mean, some people are obviously going to say, well, it sounds like you just, you know, you're hoping for the best. But 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 you're saying it's a practical, it's a practical response to the reality that... Uh, that Ireland simply couldn't defend itself if seriously attacked by by a foreign power or even interfered with. 
I mean, that, that's just the reality. Like, I don't see how, unless someone advocates. The, o- the only real way you could do it is North Korea style. You develop a nuclear weapon and a ma- major asymmetrical warfare. That, that gives you some defense. But I'm obviously completely opposed to doing that. I think that would be madness. There is no other way that a small state can build any sort of sufficient military to be a serious deterrent to uh, imperialist invasion or attack by any of the major powers. That's just a reality. Like, so... I think recognizing that reality and then refusing to go down that logic of buying fighter jets while we have a housing crisis, a health crisis, a climate crisis, etc. We, we should not be going down that road because it doesn't meaningfully add to the ability of the state uh, to defend itself um, and really amounts to wasted resources. And would you go as far as to say that, uh, you know, if we're talking in terms of... Uh... People, you know, using the the seas to or, or or the air to bring in drugs, for example, you know, Ireland has no real way of stopping that either. So, would that but sway you that, in any way? No, I mean, I, I see that largely as a policing uh, issue, um, and I think we need to have resources in terms of customs and policing to prevent the import of of drugs. Absolutely, um, and I I do think it's interesting. Like people, the other argument that people all often make is the argument about the cyber attacks. You might have uh, been aware that a couple of years ago you had a major cyber attack on our health service, cost a bunch of money to repair, etc. But at the time, that was all discussed in the news as a kind of public sector underinvestment issue. Um, now it's talked about as if it's some sort of defense issue, cybersecurity. But it, it, it really isn't. It isn't about having soldiers on the, like, the borders of Ireland's internet, you know? That's not what it works. It means having like proper security, antivirus, anti-hacking systems within our computer systems. And I'd say the same in terms of the policing of our borders um, is an issue in terms of policing and customs as opposed to a military issue. You know, can I ask a final question? One of the aspects we're going to look at uh, when speaking about Ireland's defence forces. Obviously, uh, in the north, uh, in Northern Ireland, uh, we have seen demographic changes. We've seen political changes. We've seen continual pressure for a border poll. Uh, I know in principle, at least, the, 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 the people before profit advocate a united Ireland. Now, surely, uh, even in best case scenario, you would need a, a, you know, a, a serious security uh, arrangements in order to deal with whatever might happen in the wake of that. Now, several academics and several military men are saying, well, the Irish Defence Forces, uh, to quote someone said, if you can't look after 26 counties, how are you going to look after another six? But, I mean, so uh, yes, we're we're in favour of a socialist united Ireland. Um, I mean, I think what you're talking about there is the potential for serious disturbances within the borders of a future united uh, Ireland. Again, I think it definitely would not be appropriate to send, let's say you have a disturbance or whatever in the north, to send soldiers north treating the north as some sort of like external thing. Like we, we don't generally use defense forces in terms of policing. Again, it's largely a policing issue we're talking about there. Um, but I would say, the, you know, the key issue is to try and undermine the possibility for that by, by precisely saying, look, we're not talking about an extension of a sectarian Catholic state northward. Uh, we're talking about a, a new different sort of Ireland, an Ireland which has a national health service, an Ireland which rejects uh, the model of uh, being a a corporate uh, tax haven, an Ireland which invests in public services, an Ireland which has a space for everybody within it and to win people to that that vision of, you know, the kind of Connolly vision of a a workers' republic where people from a Catholic background, Protestant background, 
uh, a non-religious or Muslim or whatever background would have a stake in this society uh, together. Like that's the main thing is a political solution. It's certainly not to have a, a military solution on this island. I think that would be a disaster. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The clips were from Virgin Media, UTV, RTE and Sky. And in the final part of our three-part series, the Belfast Telegraph's Northern Ireland editor joins me to discuss whether Ireland's tiny military forces are a sign that the Irish government isn't serious about a united Ireland. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.